0: Hi friends, I want to talk with you about who you are and who I am. But first this, how many lightning strikes do you think there are in the world per second? There's about 100 lightning strikes in the world per second. That comes out to about 3 billion lightning strikes per year. And it's amazing. You know, you see these images of lightning strikes in places like Sedona, Arizona or something where they take the the super slow camera shot. And it's inspiring. People will turn it into like their posters or people will turn it into the wallpaper on their laptop. These uh, lightning strikes are impressive. They're, they're awe inspiring. And you know what? God likes the lightning too. In fact, there are several passages in the Bible where it says that lightning is emanating from the throne of God. Passages like Revelation chapter four or Revelation chapter 11. God loves this lightning stuff. And so do we. You know, there's something else too. When we see the lightning and we hear the thunder and we see the bolts coming down from heaven, we see that there's uh, a touching of worlds. We see that heaven and earth for just a moment by a lightning strike are bridged together. You know, the same is true of a temple. When you see a lightning strike, you see uh, the two worlds being bridged together for just a moment. But a temple is like a lightning strike except times like infinity. Infinity. A lightning strike captures our attention and imagination and a temple does that to a whole nother level. You know, whether you're looking at it from a sociological perspective of just world religions or whether you're looking at it from a a Christian perspective, a biblical worldview, it's universally acknowledged that a temple is a touch point between heaven and earth. A, A temple is a place where heaven and earth touch with a lightning strike we're seeing a amazing natural thing happening. But with a temple, we're seeing an even greater supernatural thing happening. Or with a lightning strike, we're seeing this amazing uh, physical thing happening. But with a lightning strike, we're seeing a mind-blowing metaphysical thing happening. You know, there are various touch points. There are various temples that are in the Bible. Let me just outline for you a few of these touch points, a few of these temples. Now, some of these I'm about to describe are actual temples, but some of them are other touch points that carry this same concept. Let's start with encounters. In Genesis chapter 28, the ancient Israeli patriarch uh, lays down his head on a rock, and in the still of the night, God meets him in a dream. And he has a dream of a ladder or a staircase coming down from heaven with angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And then Jacob wakes from his dream. And what is his response? He says, this place is amazing. And then he goes on to say, surely this is none other than the gate of heaven. He, he sees this moment where heaven and earth are coming together and it leads him to a place of worship. He says there's something right, there's something true, there's something holy, there's something awesome about being in this place. It's a touch point of heaven and earth coming together. Or think about the burning bush. You know, it's Exodus chapter 3. Moses is just going about his day when all of a sudden he finds himself in the midst of a a spiritual lightning strike moment. And what is it that God says to him in that moment? He says, take off your sandals, stand at a distance. This is holy ground. God is saying this space between us, this is a supernatural connecting, two dimensions, two worlds coming together. Another example would be the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. It says that Jesus was standing alone on a mountaintop with his three closest disciples and he was revealed in more of his glory. And he's literally glowing with the presence of God uh, about him. And what does his bumbling friend Peter say in response to all of this? Peter says, it's good for us to be in this place. Peter is seeing that these worlds are being bridged together. He's seeing the divine and the mundane coming together in this moment. It's good for us to be in this place. You know, back in September, my family attended a worship service together. It was our first time, all six of us, being back together in person at the Compass Church. It was a Saturday night in September. And as we're sitting there during the sermon, my junior high son leans over to my wife and kind of elbows her and says, it's good to be in this place. Now, he had actually been in the building just the day before. So as he was saying, it's good to be in this place, he wasn't talking about being in the physical building. He was saying, it's good to be among God's people in, you know, hearing the word of God, taking in the music and all that comes with that. That's what he was talking about. It's the same response that Peter was having on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's good to be in this place. And his acknowledgement of that is what made my heart as a dad sore. So there are encounters where heaven and earth come together. There are also objects where heaven and earth come together. Probably the penultimate among these would be the Ark of the Covenant. You know, it says uh, in scripture that the Ark of the Covenant had on its lid these two carved angelic creatures called the cherubim. And between them was this space called the mercy seat. And God promises over and over in scripture that that's a special place where the worlds are going to get bridged, where he's going to meet his people. Uh, For example, let me read to you a passage where God is speaking to Moses about this very concept. God says, There I will meet you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you. You know, beyond that, also, I think of these uh, pillars of cloud and fire that God led the Israelites with in the desert. For example, it says in the scripture, reminiscing of that because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. But by day, a pillar of cloud did not fail to guide their path, nor a pillar of fire by night to shine on their way. You know, nothing says that there are two dimensions like a giant pillar of fire as your nightlight. I mean, how much more clear could it be? There is a world that we see and there's a world that we don't see. And God is the one that brings these two worlds together. He bridges the worlds through these various touch points. So heaven and earth are touching in these various spiritual lightning strike moments through encounters, through objects. But heaven and earth are actually also coming together through actual temples, like temple buildings. In fact, when I say the word temple, you probably think of Solomon's temple. This was the temple that God asked King David to prepare for. And then he asked King David's son Solomon to build. And it was exactly built according to God's design. It had different rings of buildings and the outer area was for anybody. And then the inner area was just for God's people. And then inside of that was this holy of holies and a chamber where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, and it was kept behind this large, just massive curtain. God's presence was most acutely manifest in that space. You know, the ancient Israeli historian Josephus tells us a lot about what happened in Israel back in the day. He wasn't a believer, but an incredibly important source of information for us. And Josephus mentions that the Jews thought that this temple was like the navel of the earth, Or let me say that a different way, like the belly button of the earth. Now, what do you attach to a belly button? You attach an umbilical cord to a belly button. The the Jews are saying that they knew that of all the places on planet earth, this temple was like a belly button connecting heaven and earth. Do you see how these two worlds are being bridged together? Now, that temple was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 B.C., And then after that, after the Jewish exile, uh, a new temple was commissioned by God and the construction of it was led by a guy named Zerubbabel. Now the temple wasn't really that impressive until Herod the Great came along. Now Herod the Great wasn't really that great, but... He loved his building projects, and Herod took that temple to a whole nother level of beauty. That was the temple that was around in Jerusalem at the time that Jesus had his earthly ministry. And that was the temple that when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, in that holy of holies chamber, that giant curtain was supernaturally ripped in two. Uh, by God from top to bottom. It was showing evidence that these worlds, these separations were now going to be completely different, that God was bringing these two worlds together by his epic design. We also in scripture see visions of temples. You know, we see these temples that Solomon built and that Zerubbabel built, But the Bible tells us that those earthly temples were built because they are reflections of an actual temple that's in heaven. Yeah, that's right. There is a temple in heaven. In fact, think with me for a moment of Isaiah. Uh, In his prophecy, maybe you've heard this passage, Isaiah 6. Isaiah has a vision. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, that is Jesus Christ, seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple with his glory. It filled the what? It filled the temple with his glory. Jesus's robes are flowing like wall-to-wall carpet in this temple throne room. By the way, that's a good word for any one of us. Just a reminder, there is no room for any other leader in the presence of God. Uh, if you and I are following Jesus His robe, his authority is wall to wall. And we need to follow and submit to him. But guys, there is no throne in the Solomon temple or the Zerubbabel temple. This is a vision of Isaiah seeing the throne room of God in the temple that is in heavenly spaces. In fact, in the Bible, in the New Testament, there are two chapters in the book of Hebrews, chapters eight and nine, where it explicitly says uh, that These earthly temples are a copy or a shadow of a heavenly temple. You can read all about it there. Two full chapters about the fact that Jesus Christ is our great high priest here because he's ministering for us by his blood in this temple, in these heavenly spaces. And then in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the apostle John sees a vision of a temple. He describes it like 12 different times. Because again, the earthly temples that we've seen or read about in scripture are reflecting a heavenly reality. There is a temple in heaven right now. Or in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, Uh, the last eight chapters of the book of Ezekiel are set apart to describe an image of a temple, a vision of a temple that God gives to Ezekiel. Now, we actually don't know what this temple is. Is this the temple that Zerubbabel should have built? Or is this a third temple that will someday be built? Or is this a temple that will be on earth during the millennial reign of Christ? We actually don't know. You know, my kids love to play Minecraft where you can build virtual buildings in a virtual world. Maybe this temple in Ezekiel's vision is like God's idea of what a cool temple would look like. And so he just kind of writes it up there. We don't know. But what we do know is that he spends eight chapters describing in a lot of detail this temple stuff because God loves temples. He loves this idea and he loves how this is part of this bridging of worlds, this epic storyline of how he's going to bring together heaven and earth. And then we get into the New Testament and we find that, guess what? Plot twist. People can be temples too. That's right, collectively God says the church is a temple and individually Christians are temples. It says in the scriptures that the church is together a temple and that individually each one of us as Christians are temples. For just a little bit of scripture around that, let me read to you from some passages in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you yourselves are God's temple. Or later in 1 Corinthians he says, your bodies are the temple of of the Holy Spirit. Or then later in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, we are the temple of the living God. Or in Ephesians, he says, you're joined together to become a holy temple to the Lord. Or not just Paul, but Peter writes this. He says, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Now, perhaps you've heard this important concept before, or maybe you're hearing this for the first time. Or maybe you grew up going to youth group and they taught you the idea that, hey, look, be careful. Your your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Be careful how you use your temple. And that's a good word for teenagers. But that's also actually a good word for all of us today. You know, for example, all of us are carrying around in our back pocket the biggest library of pornography the planet has ever seen. Now, think about us being temples. That becomes really important in light of stuff like that. So I just want to ask, am I being a good guardian of the temple? Are you being a good guardian of the temple? Friends, let's just be point blank. You and I as Christians are temples and we are called to protect the temple. We're called to protect the temple from from lying and from gossip and from bitterness and from excessive drinking and from exploitative images and anything else that would come at the temple. Friends, protect the temple pray to god and ask him for his power to protect your temple all right so let's review a temple is a place where heaven and earth touch if you're a christian you are a place where heaven and earth touch imagine with me for a moment uh two blankets floating in space one above the other one representing heaven the other representing earth And then imagine a single thread coming down, connecting these two blankets, a a lightning strike, a touch point, a temple, you, you know, imagine these two blankets are floating in space. God's plan is this. God's plan is that through the work of Jesus Christ, through his coming and through the implications of that, and then through his second coming, that these two blankets are going to get so threaded together that anyone would look at them and say, wait a second, that's not two blankets. That's one thick quilt. That's God's plan. That's his design. That's why it says at the end of the Bible, John writes, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, two worlds coming together. You know, it's also noteworthy that Jesus is the ultimate bridge between worlds. You know, think of it often as Christians, we've been asked, we could describe the Christian journey as uh, the bridge illustration. Maybe you've even drawn this on a napkin before where you draw one cliff and you have another cliff and on one side is God and on the other side is man. And then there's this gap of sin in between, but through his work on the cross, Jesus is the bridge between this sin gap connecting God and man. It's a beautiful image and I've drawn it on a napkin many times myself, but for the purposes of what we're describing here, take that napkin and turn it 90 degrees. You've got a space above and a space below, heaven and earth and a gap of sin in between. And Jesus is bridging these worlds by his cross, bringing it all together, culminating it all together. His kingdom come. It's a beautiful thing. I want to put in front of you a definition of a temple, whether it's a definition of uh, Solomon's temple or of you as a temple. A temple is a pure portal for God's presence and God's purposes. If you're a Christian, you are a, a pure portal for God's presence and his purposes. If you're a believer, you have gone from mortal to portal. You know, let me swap in some synonyms for these words I'm using just to help us better internalize all of this stuff. Uh, first off, temple. Well, we've established that a temple can be a church or it could be an individual Christian. And then a temple is to be pure. Uh, to be pure is to be set apart, to be holy. In fact, the word holy means to be set apart, to be different. Holiness is God's chief attribute and he invites us to be set apart and different along with him. So a temple is a place that's pure and it's a portal. A temple is a a touch point, a bridge between worlds. So a temple is a pure portal for his presence and for his purposes. His presence, that is for his manifestation, for his revealing And for his purposes, that is for his culmination, for his kingdom come. What is it that Jesus prayed, remember? He said, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see how he's wanting those worlds to get bridged together, friend? Let me take this definition of a temple and just swap in some of the synonyms that we were just using to help us better get a picture of what this can look like for our church. A church is a holy touchpoint. For God's manifestation and for his culmination. You know, when, when I think of what God wants to do through a church, uh, an example comes to my mind of, I, I grew up going to church. I grew up in Southern California and I was going to a great church, but a friend invited me to uh, another church. that was two towns over. It was a church called Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. I was about 19 at the time And uh, as we went to this large midweek Bible study that was well-established in the area, known as a place for spiritual seekers, went in and there was about a thousand people there that night. And uh, Raul Reese was the pastor of another local church that was speaking uh, that night as a guest speaker. Crystal Lewis, a well-known artist, was in the house and they had asked her if she would just come up on stage and lead a little bit of the worship time. And then as Raul was beginning to speak, He got about a minute into his message when he said, you know what, wait a second. He said, I'm just sensing from God's presence that some of you uh, don't need to hear what I'm about to give a talk on. I'm about to give a talk on Jesus and how he can set you free. But some of you have already been prepared by God's spirit. And I've got some friends over here to the side that would love to meet with you one-to-one confidentially about what it could actually look like for you to be set free. And so if you're ready right now and you want to accept Jesus Christ, instead of spending this time in this group experience, I'd love for you to instead go connect with these people one-to-one. Go ahead and just stand up and come forward. And I couldn't believe it. Out of about a 1,000 people, like 40 people stood up, including the guy sitting right next to me, including some gangbanger-looking guys diagonally in front of me. And then Rawl goes on with his talk, and, and at the end, he ended up sharing uh, an altar call and inviting people to come forward to accept Christ. Another like 40 people came forward and met with counselors back in the back of the room. You know, it was obvious to everybody that this wasn't about Raul Rees, so this wasn't about Crystal Lewis, so this wasn't about any individual person. This was about God doing something that only he can do among his people in his space for his purposes, for his glory and his will. Friends, and the same is true for the Compass Church. You know, that example I gave is maybe more dramatic or maybe happened in a church worship service, but there have been millions of examples of us being a place where God is manifest, where God is, his work is culminating and it happens on stage, but it also happens behind the scenes. It happens on the weekend, but it also happens midweek. It happens in church buildings, but also happens throughout the community, wherever God's people are gathered. He is there among us doing his thing. And I just pray for the Compass Church that we would be a place where whether it's in offices or whether it's in neighborhoods or whether it's in our schools or whether it's in our homes, that God would be glorified as we're looking to seek how we can be a place where the church can be a touch point for His purposes and for His presence. So together, the church is a temple. But remember also, Christians are individually temples. And so let me again just swap in some of the synonyms that will help us lock in on this thought. A Christian is a set-apart bridge between worlds for his revealing and for his kingdom come. You know, when I think about the glory of that, I think about a moment when I was in Iowa. I was serving at another church there called Hope Church. It's a church in our denomination that I served at for seven years. And I was sitting in a worship service in the front row. I was about to go up on stage. I was going to go up on stage and try and encourage the people. But I can't remember all that was going on in that season, other than I was feeling super discouraged myself. I didn't feel like I had any passion or energy for what God was inviting me to do in that moment. And right before I went up on stage, I I looked across the row, and there was a space of about 10 seats between me and the next person. The next person was a guy about my same age who regularly attended our church. He was a guy with special needs and he came each week with his family. And as I looked across to him, he looked across over at me and he gave me just a little nod and a little wink and a little thumbs up. And I'll tell you what, in that moment, it became totally clear to me that it wasn't he who was nodding and winking at me, but it was Jesus himself who was nodding and winking at me and giving me a little thumbs up through my brother in Christ. My brother in Christ was being a bridge between worlds in that moment for me. And all of the sudden, this boldness came over me that God was saying to me, Hey, look, I love you. I like you. I'm for you. I enjoy you. Now go and do what I've asked you to do. And when I got up on that stage, just a a crest of energy came into me from God's Spirit. Friends, maybe you have felt like you've been used by God in the life of somebody else in a special moment where you are just keenly aware that God was bridging those worlds. Or maybe somebody has done that for you. Maybe that's happened in the church or maybe that's happened out in the community. Any way it plays out, I just pray that more and more of the same would happen through you, my friend. What there, There's no greater feeling, there's no greater awareness than to be used by the Lord in a special way to be a blessing to another person. Listen, connect with this application. My awareness of me being a temple should change my life. My awareness of me being a a portal, a bridge between worlds for his purposes should change how I go about my day and how I view myself. I have an opportunity to be set apart, to be holy, to be pure, to be different. I can lean into my identity as an ambassador, as a representative, as a role model. God wants to do something through me. He wants me to see myself through the lens of me being a temple. Friends, I am a temple, which means I could be like post-surgery in a hospital bed, unable to speak and hardly able to move. And I could have a worship service going on inside of me that rivals anything on planet earth. I am a temple, which means I could be like at home buried under a pile of laundry and a pile of dirty diapers and trying to tutor kids and trying to make dinner and pay bills. And I can have something going on inside of me that is beautiful to the Lord, even though there's nobody else around. Or I might be powerless to affect the circumstances of my my dying father or my depressed daughter or my divorcing friend, but I can be an epicenter of prayer where as a temple, a place where heaven and earth are connecting, and I'm praying for the will of God to be happening on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, let's lean into who we are. We are gateways that are connecting these two worlds. We have an opportunity to lean into being part of the purposes and the presence of God. A final thought. It says in the last two chapters of the Bible that in eternity... God's glory and Jesus himself will be the temple. You know, despite the fact that the Apostle John has been writing over and over about the temple in the book of Revelation, we get to the last two chapters and he says that God himself will be the temple. In fact, let me read to you from the scriptures. The Apostle John writes, he says this, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and Jesus the Lamb are its temple. We're going to be surrounded by God's glory in eternity. It's kind of like, does a fish know that it's swimming in water? Of course not. We're going to be in eternity and God's glory is going to be so around us. We're just going to be swimming in it. And it says in the scripture, we're not going to anymore need a focal point temple there because God's glory, Jesus himself are emanating all around us. It's a perfect image of how God has fully bridged together these two worlds. But in the meantime, friends, the Bible is very clear. You, if you are a Christian, have gone from mortal to portal. You are a temple of God's Holy Spirit. And I pray that he would give you the the power and the strength to be those awe-inspiring lightning strikes that he has called us to be.